0: So Money, episode 1007, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host Priya Malani.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life.
0: Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everybody. February 21st, 2020. Welcome to the show. It's Ask Farnoosh Friday and I've got a special co-host with me. I'm going to bring her on stage in just a minute. How's everyone's week going? Yeah, we moved this week to a rental And we're going to actually answer a question this week about uh, whether to buy, whether to rent. I've got some thoughts on that. If you're just catching up to my life situation, um, we have sold our apartment in Brooklyn and uh, we closed this week and then we moved out this week as well to a rental down the street Why? Because, well, we wanted to stay in Brooklyn for the rest of the school year. We didn't want to transition immediately to the suburbs. Our goal, our end goal is to to move to New Jersey. Uh, We wanted to stay in the city, keep our routine as much as possible. And so we just moved a block away, renting an apartment for actually less than what our overall housing costs were as owners, believe it or not. Then we're going to spend this spring looking for houses wish us luck cuz right now the inventory is not that exciting <laughs> in New Jersey for uh for what we need but we're going to I'm like literally refreshing Zillow every 5 seconds and if anyone is living in Montclair right now and you know of listings coming on to the market give me a call because I uh I'm eager I'm eager to buy it's been a very busy week I guess is all I'm trying to say I'm excited to have some support on this particular Ask Farnoosh episode, we've got Priya Milani joining us. You guys know her. She's the founder and CEO of Stash Wealth, and she's got an exciting new initiative and program that she wants to share with us. Before we get to her, let's go to the iTunes reviews section, right? This is what we do now. We go to iTunes, and we look up the most recent reviews for So Money. We pick someone at random. This person will receive a free 15-minute money session with me. Here we go. Chris Fallon on February 8th left a five-star review. Chris says, Farnoosh is one of the only money podcasters that I've heard to really empower women to know what is happening with their money. Love her Friday episodes, especially when she answers listener questions. Her show is my must listen to every week. Don't miss out on what she has to say. Chris, thank you so much, and I hope this episode – uh Meets your standards. I hope this one's going to be a good one for you. Got a lot of good questions today about, like I said, real estate, but also, you know, what to save for, how to manage debt when you're married or approaching marriage, how to make money with what you know. Your knowledge is a resource that you can tap to make money. Did you know this? So we're going to talk about that. Uh, so Chris, get in touch with me. Head over to Instagram, direct message me there. Let me know that you left a message for me on, uh, you know, the iTunes review section that I, Encourage you to get in touch. You can also just email me, Farnoosh, at podcasts.com and let me know uh, that you left the review and I will respond with a calendar link where you can pick a time to chat with me for 15 minutes. Thank you so much. Let's go to what we've been waiting for, which is the mailbag. And I want to bring on my friend Priya Milani, who is a f- dear friend of the show and she is very, very smart very knowledgeable, very much here to help us all uh, with our finances. Her company, Stash Wealth, is growing like bonkers. And Priya, just come on stage already and tell us everything that's been happening because it's been a pretty exciting year for you even though – I mean, I'm talking about from last time you were on, which was probably six, eight months ago uh, to today. I know you've got a very big announcement. So welcome back and tell us what's so exciting.
1: Thanks so much, Farnish. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's been an absolutely crazy couple months. Um, we are very excited to to talk today about um, our new initiative. I'll just give you a little bit of the backstory that we've um, kind of discussed. But you know, Stash Wealth is a virtual financial planning and investment management firm for Henrys, high earners, not rich yet. We've been in business now six, seven years, and by operating virtually, it means that we uh, our financial planners here at Stash work with clients all over the country. But until now, we've been focused almost exclusively on that Henry demographic, those high earners. Um, And, you know, we just we got to a point where a lot of people were coming to us and they were like, we're not Henry's yet. We really want to be able to work and get our financial shit together. How do we get started? Um, So we took that feedback and we decided to launch um, a brand new mini actually it's not mini it's a crash course a master class on how to get your financial shit together it's called money mastered and the idea is um for our henry clients they, they start with a financial plan, but oftentimes if you start with a financial plan before you're ready, it's just not a lot of fun. So we were trying to figure out how to help people kind of hack their way to Henry status so that they could work with us. And the best answer was, um, you know, there's a huge demand these days for courses and, uh, they tend to be all the rage because I think we're all looking to sort of level up in different areas of our life. Um, sometimes I think it can feel like we stagnate a bit post-school. So we decided to create this masterclass and, um, you know we're very very excited to talk about it on today's show and, and even offer um a discount for your yes, for your yes. listeners.
0: You call this the last class you should have taken in school. You know, a lot of us don't learn about money in college. This is a great I would say anyone in their 20s, even I would say in your 30s, I have a lot of people on the show writing in saying, you know, I'm, I'm I feel a little behind. I really need to yeah. fast forward the financial learning. Yep, exactly. Just figure out the basics,
1: build a solid financial foundation, get your shit together, as we put it, Um, So that you can then be ready to take your financial life to the next level. Because there are some certain things that you need to do before you can really begin doing those next levels of investing and things like that. You want to build a really, really solid foundation. And that's what this masterclass addresses. Um, It's going to address it. It addresses investing, but it it addresses saving, paying down student loan debt, how to handle credit cards. Um, It talks about budgeting, uh, specifically why we hate budgeting at Stash what to do instead. Um, So what do you do instead?
0: (laughs) Can you just tell me?
1: (laughs) Spill the secret sauce, huh? Yeah. So so it's Stash and it's no no secret. We talk about it on our blog and we talk about it all the time on on various podcasts, but we don't believe in budgeting. We don't think it works and it's not really what people really want. They don't want to micromanage their financial life. They really want to just be able to enjoy their money and not think twice when they when they buy stuff. Um, so we call it the reverse budget and it doesn't sound much sexier, but the idea behind the reverse budget is to basically save first so that you can blow the rest, but knowing how much you should save and what to save for um, and really automating that using various appropriate channels to, to automate um, is what, what we kind of get into uh, so that you can ignore your savings. It's happening in the background. You're making progress without having to lift a finger Um, And then whatever's left in your checking account, you can blow guilt-free.
0: Yes, ma'am. And you've got a So Money VIP code for us. Type in So Money VIP. Well, first tell us where to go and then where to put the code for $100 off. Thank you.
1: Yeah, That's almost 50% off the course um, where we love uh, the So Money podcast and um, we're very excited to be back and, and to be able to offer this. Um, so ultimately, the first decision you have to make is, are you a Henry or are you a future Henry, as we uh, call it? And the best way to do that is to go to our website, com, And right at the top, you're going to see um, uh, a quiz. It's a two minute quiz you take and it's called Am I a Henry? And you go through, you answer some questions and it tells you, yes, you're a Henry, you're ready for the stash plan or no, you're not a Henry, you're a future Henry. So start with Money Mastered. Um, But if you want direct access to the Money Mastered page, it's just stashwealth.com slash Money Mastered.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Priya. And I couldn't think of a better co-host today to help me through some of these listener questions. And I want to say first, thank you to my listeners. Lately, these questions have been really I just love, they're so layered. I love them. You know, your, your, your guys follow directions beautifully. I, I was joking. I said to Priya before we were on the phone or online, rather, that, you know, I hope people weren't upset with me. But I did say in the beginning of the year, please don't send me a question that you can just find after just five or 10 minutes on the internet. There's a lot of reliable sources out there from whether it's, you know, Stash Wealth or Investopedia, Nerd Wallet, um, you know, Money.com, Kiplingers. There's a lot of, Resources out there that can explain the four one one right. What is a Roth IRA? How do how does a you know HSA work? What's the snowball method? Should I do the snowball method? I like questions that are a little hairier and complex. I like I like to be challenged. So I think these are some pretty challenging questions. So nice to have a partner in crime to help me get through them. So our first question, Priya, is from someone who would like to be, remain anonymous, and her overarching question is really about whether to rent or buy a home. Priya, do you rent or buy or do you own? I am a renter, always have been and plan to always be. Oh, (laughs) can let's unpack that for a second. Why always renting? Even if you find like your dream home, but you have to buy it. No? No.
1: So, I mean, ultimately it's a very personal choice and some people, um, they prioritize freedom and flexibility over. Um, I think the, 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 the it, where it gets a little bit confusing is that people immediately jump to the home as an investment. And I think that's only one way to, the financial aspect of, of buying versus renting is only one way to look at it. Um, sometimes when you You know, want to move around, have more freedom and flexibility, it doesn't make sense to buy, even if there is a return on the investment.
0: I get that. I totally get that. And this this person says, here's her situation. She says, my husband and I are relocating from Ohio to Rochester, Minnesota for his fellowship in the summer. Uh, We'll be there three years at a minimum with the possibility for up to five years or longer. We currently own a home that we will be selling. We do not have kids, but are hoping to start a family soon. We have four months of emergency savings, as well as some additional savings that can be combined with any profit from our current home to buy another home. My husband is currently paying his student loans via IBR, which is income based repayment, and he's hoping to have these forgiven after the 10 year mark. Fingers crossed. We owe around $16,000 on his vehicle. The homes where we are moving to are more expensive, but not completely out of budget. And they would need work, which I don't really mind, she says, because I like the process. We would hire out for major projects. She says, my husband is more inclined to rent for ease of lifestyle and thinks we should just rent and save for our quote unquote forever home. I, on the other hand, don't enjoy renting, and I have some requirements, which I'm not sure we'll be able to find in a rental. For example, she says, I want to work from home, so we need that space. I don't like carpeting. I want to have room for guests. So that she finds to be more likely in a bigger home to purchase. What would you do, rent or buy? Oh, my gosh. I think that at first they should rent. Why rush into buying? Especially when you're moving into a new place. You don't know where the coffee shop is. You don't know what your commute's going to be like. You know, there's so much about living location, 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 right? So if you're going to eventually buy, maybe start by renting. It's a great way to transition. And, you know, as we are looking to move to New Jersey, and then I want to hear from you, Priya, but just really quick, we are are looking for homes to buy because we're quite familiar with the neighborhoods and we've been visiting every weekend for the last month. So we're getting much more familiar with you know where things are relative to the train stations, the schools, the restaurants, and where we would like to ultimately put roots down. But I'm also telling our real estate agent, if you find us a great rental for the first year, That's music to my ears because then that's just one more year of educating myself before making what is going to be the biggest purchase of our lives. (laughs) So there's no harm in renting at least for a little bit. This way, the two of you can kind of feel like you know you're both being able to live up to your goals. Um, And you might find that through renting, like you love it, and so maybe give yourself that ability to to rent it first and, and have that easier transition period. What do you think, Priya?
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Farnush, especially given her time frame of three to five years. The fact that they're not going to live there maybe beyond five years makes their break even so much tougher to achieve. Um, so I, you know, I think parents have told us and, you know, at Stash Wealth, we hate conventional wisdom that sort of passed down from our parents, but our parents told us to buy. So we automatically assume buying is best and strictly from a financial standpoint, that isn't always the case. I think I've talked about this with you before, um, but there was a study that came out a while back in the New York Times and talked about over the past 126 years, what have home prices done across the nation? And if you remove bubble markets, which... Um, I'm not super clear on whether or not she's moving to a bubble market, but outside of bubble markets, home prices have only appreciated 037 percent over one hundred and twenty six years. So, yeah, that, that uh, I think what happens is most people who talk to us about their success with real estate, like maybe our parents or friends, they do so before considering inflation right? So like they bought a house at one price, they sold it at a much higher price, but they never take into account how that, that, that appreciation was in fact affected by inflation. So immediately, it looks like a larger number, so it looks like success. That's not always the case.
0: Wow. 0.37%? Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. So <laughs> if you bought a house 126 years ago for Is that to say that it's pretty much still $50,000 today? Like, that's basically nothing. Post-inflation. So, like,
1: yeah, it might... um, The number might be larger, but when you take into consideration that inflation... Yeah, home prices inflation... Wow. yeah, That stinks. Well...
0: Now, that's you know what? not the case I, I in like New York or New Jersey or it. California. I see in Jersey. I look at these historical prices on these homes and I'll tell you one thing. It's a great time to buy because unfortunately, if you bought a home even just four years ago in New Jersey, in this particular county where we're looking at, you're probably going to sell at a loss today. Mm. And um, and then I look even further back. I look at homes that – I look at the price history of a home. Okay. Well, it was it was bought in, uh, let's say, 1980. And this family clearly like stayed and raised their family. Now, you know, 40 years later, they're selling and the home has gone up maybe a few hundred thousand dollars, which I guess it sounds like a lot of money, but actually it's inflation with inflation, maybe not because back then in 1980, a $300,000 home today is probably a million dollar home, right? Right. Let's remember that. Um, I guess if you have no mortgage, a million dollars is nice to get, you know, and that's like definitely something to retire on a little bit. But anonymous, I would say, especially because you're transitioning and you're not familiar with this town and it is pretty far. I don't know what the drive is. Could you like go there every weekend to check out like neighborhoods? Probably not. Even for us going to New Jersey every weekend, it's such a pain in our butts. Like, Got to get a babysitter, watch the kids, and it's an our each direction, and all we can do is maybe see two homes. So it's a lot. And knowing that you could just move into a rental, which you can – If you love it, you can stay. If you hate it, you can leave. But really what that's giving you is time to continue to educate yourself on the market and give yourselves time to kind of sort your own situation out. You might realize, you know what, we're going to leave after three years. And so thank goodness you didn't buy because then that would have been quite the asset to uh, offload at that point.
1: Yeah, and I think with her mention of home improvements as well, that she's willing to put – she wants to put some money into the home. That makes the break even even harder to achieve, makes it even scarier because most home improvements almost never provide a return on their investment. So that's nope. just going to make her, yeah. her oh my gosh. even worse.
0: There was a home that we saw in New Jersey. The woman had put in a million dollars worth of up- upgrades. Like I don't even know – like she must have gotten ripped off because, I mean, it looked beautiful on the inside, but I was like, was this basically – a dump when you bought it because now um a million dollars like I've gone through renovation projects and I've spent a fraction of that and I feel like I combined apartments like I don't know what they were talking about but she is selling it now for less than what she bought it for so you do the Yikes. math on that yeah that was pretty depressing to hear uh ugh. I don't know. Maybe we're crazy. Maybe we should just rent, but there's nothing to rent. That's the problem. I get what she's saying. There's just the market needs to shift so that there are more attractive rentals for families and people who want to have families. Because, you know, renting in New York City, you could rent a studio, one bedroom, a two bedroom, but then there's a huge gap between what it costs to rent like a one bedroom versus a three or four bedroom. You basically get priced out. At that point. So it's it's hard. But let's move on. And and um, hopefully that was helpful to you, my friend, and let us know how things progress. Okay, our next listener. I'm changing his name by request. I'm changing it to Luke. How to manage debt when married or approaching marriage? He says, Hey Farnoosh, I'm so grateful that I stumbled upon your podcast last Friday. I've been searching for financial advice on my partner's grad school debt. Priya, do you know how people are finding my podcast? I've been surveying everybody the mm. last week. Um, Google, search iTunes, just like putting in the keywords and then ho- thank God I'm popping up. You know, That's so- impressive. I'm so glad I haven't been wasting my time promoting the show on Twitter is all I have to say because <laughs> it doesn't work. Um I used to do that in the beginning and then I just sort of like gave up because I was like mm, it's not really getting any traffic. So just do the work and be out there and be visible and people will find yep. you. Mm-hmm. He says I've got a follow-up question that you teased in your last in your episode about uh how to go to grad school for free, which was earlier this month, if you haven't checked it out, people. And he says, uh, without asking for marriage advice, what is your approach to debt ownership when a couple is married or approaching marriage? And so he gives us a little bit of context. He says his girlfriend has 100, over a $100,000 in grad school loans, 10000 in credit card debt, We are in our late 20s. We both make $100,000, more than $100,000, and I expect both of our future earnings potential to only increase. I have no debt, I have ample savings and investments, and I just bought my first home with a big mortgage. Okay, so this is typical. You've got one partner who's still working on her financial health, and in this case, it's the girlfriend, and then the, the partner He um, is much further along. He doesn't have debt, but then she also went to grad school, so there's that. He says, I'm confident that she can pay off the credit card debt this year. We also expect to be engaged soon, and conversations around her student loan debt has been tough. My family would tell me that I'm marrying into that debt, but I think it's best to have a prenup agreement stating how her debt was a decision that she made before she met me and will fall back on her if our marriage were to ever end. Should mention they are in California. Okay. He says, having never been in debt prior to this mortgage, it is quite nerve wracking to think that I have worked so hard to be financially responsible only to have this awaiting me in the future. I want to be her ally and an advocate for her, but I also want to be financially smart. What would you recommend? So he has every right to be cautious. And I would say having a prenup is very much the norm now. If he wants to shield himself from being responsible for this in the event of a divorce, then that's the way to go. I will say, though, that as long as her name is the only name on the debt as she enters the marriage as long as they're still married, she's the only one responsible for this debt. Where it gets tricky is if they get divorced. I'm not sure exactly what happens. You could consult a financial planner or your CPA or an attorney. Um, But Priya, do you have any experience, well, you don't have an experience with this per se, but do you have advice given that there's probably so many people in your community who have been curious about this or have been going through this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I love that he says, without asking for marriage advice, (laughs) what's your approach? Because this does end up looking and feeling a lot like marriage advice um, when you start the conversation. And I didn't mention this at the top of the podcast, but in addition to launching Money Master, we actually launched a mini crash course specifically called Couples and Money that you can also buy. And that's uh, this is exactly what it talks about. It's more the psychology behind merging finances and talking about prenups. So we actually did a mini crash course specifically on the topic of couples and money and one, watch that. I think it's extremely helpful and, and answers a lot of questions. You know, ultimately, marriage solves for a couple of things that, that people are looking for, right? There's like the romantic desires that we all have. Um, there's the issue of companionship um, that we desire. And then ultimately, we get married because we want to tackle life together with someone else, like together being the key word. And that I think includes the good, bad and the ugly. So um, typically we're, we're teaching couples to really think and work as a team when it comes to their assets and their liabilities. Um, because I'll I'll give you a different example. That's a little less emotional. Um, sometimes we'll give like the example of retirement. So saving for retirement, like if you get married, ultimately the, the assumption is there, there that you're going to retire with this person, right? So let's say within a couple, one spouse is offered a 401k with a match and the other is not. That's a strength on, side, on one side of the couple and uh, not on the other side. So together, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be saving and um, benefiting from the match and saying, oh, this is just my money. You're not going to get any of this retirement savings, would you? Right. Right. So similarly, you want to, as a couple, look at where are our strengths? Okay, I'm the spouse that has a 401k match. Where are our weaknesses? Okay, well, I'm the spouse that has the student loans. How do we put our assets together and really tackle all of these things in the most optimal way?
0: I agree. I like that a lot. I think that the the reality is that when you get married, the studies show, and so I believe it was um, UC Berkeley that did this study a while ago that said opposites attract, including financial opposites. That right. savers marry spenders. And in this case, it's, it doesn't sound like the girlfriend has a sp- savings problem or a spending problem. It's just that she has this unfortunate loan amount that is part of what happens when you go to graduate school. I would also just get really clear on your state's marriage laws and divorce laws. That's really, I'm not a California resident. I don't know the, the nuances of what happens necessarily if you enter a marriage with your own debt that was prior to the marriage. Once you get divorced, what happens to that debt? I believe that as long as that debt stays in her name, he's not going to be responsible. But here's the other issue though. You know, Whether or not it's your debt, my debt, our debt, when you're married, that debt is like the elephant in the room, right? And if you want to share in expenses together, share in financial goals together, that's always going to create a, a bit of a hurdle for the two of you, although maybe he's not paying for it, she is, and then it's hard to feel like you're on the same Team, sometimes, but I like your advice, Priya, of just sort of like leveraging your strengths. You know, maybe she's really great at budgeting and picking out investments or haggling and things like that. And he's perhaps better at sifting through the fine print of contracts and real estate because he's already uh, purchased his home. So, so figure out where you both want to contribute and be successful in the relationship from a financial standpoint, but don't rule out a prenup. I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know? No, your word is the right
1: word, the team word, right? Because thinking and working as a team allows you to get on track for your financial goals faster and more efficiently. And ultimately, that is the end goal. And with regards to prenup, I didn't touch on that, but it is, in our opinion, always a good idea. And not just because of the the financial peace of mind or or benefits that it provides there. Personally, I also think it's just a great way to test to see how you guys handle kind of a less sexy conversation together. I mean, you're going to have a lot of those that come up in marriage, very difficult conversations that you have to be rational about. And it's a really cool, it's a really interesting way to learn how your partner handles those difficult conversations without, you know, taking things personally or getting too upset. Are they fair Are they unfair, um, which is a life skill. It's a relationship skill that needs to be there for success.
0: And if it's any consolation, Luke, I've had so many guests on this podcast, married guests, who have worked their way out of much higher levels of debt together. It is doable. I Don't listen to your parents. They're going to be concerned because maybe in their generation, there was no such thing as a $100,000 in student loans, but that's pretty normal these mm-hmm. days, especially grad school. And, and if she is making six figures or more, well, then it sounds like, you know, in, so you could argue that that's kind of the investment that you had to make to get to that salary level, and then more. She's going to be making more. So that's the good news, is that hopefully this debt is going to get easier for her to manage over the years. And having you there to champion her and encourage her is going to be very important. So stay supportive. Okay, Allie wants to know what to save for. She says, I'm in a bit of an unusual financial situation, Farnoosh. I would love to get your take on my best options for next steps. Allie is 25. She says she makes great money. She saves, get this, 70% of her income between retirement, a robo-advised account, which includes ETFs. Uh, She also invests in Fundrise, which is this, I was just talking about this the other day on the podcast, which is a a real estate, the largest commercial real estate online investment platform where you can contribute to it and you kind of are now invested in quote unquote real estate and It's very popular. And then she's got cash savings. She says, I max out my retirement options and I have a cash cushion to cover about a one and a half year's worth of expenses. She says, I know probably too much, but it makes me feel safe. She says, I don't have any big financial dreams besides travel. I save $1,000 a month into my travel account and it's been growing at a faster rate than I can use it. Although I'm leaving tomorrow for a two-week trip to Asia and Australia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but unlike many, I don't have a dream to own a home or retire early, so what should I be saving for and how should I be saving? Should I be investing everything, save for my paycheck each month moving forward? Should I continue to pile up cash until I decide what I want to do or buy something big and extravagant like a house? I'd love any suggestions you might have for me at this point. What do you think, Priya? She's 25. Oh my God, this one is- Saved 70% of her money. So fun. She's an alien.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Congratulations. Such a – amazing situation to be in. Um, and, and not like it was luck. I mean, she's doing some really, really smart things. Um, but ultimately, you know, no one can really tell you what to save for. And that said, maybe she doesn't need to be saving. We don't really believe in making arbitrary financial decisions, whether that's saving for the sake of saving or investing for the sake of investing. Ultimately you want to be making these decisions because they're, it's it, they're helping you accomplish your goals. Um, so maybe she's saving too much and she could instead be spending more upgrading her lifestyle that sounds reckless but it isn't it's respo- it's um ultimately she's she's setting aside money for what she prioritizes retirement travel so
0: you don't have to save just because you can and she's 25 so let's also give her some time you know because i was when i was 25 i didn't really know everything i wanted i mean i had plans and i wanted to do certain things but i couldn't have told you that I would never have guessed I was gonna move to the suburbs and buy a house. I would have never guessed that, you know, I would have had the kids that I did, um and, and so or the wedding that I did. I just I didn't know, but I knew that I know that nobody regrets saving money. Nobody like mm. arrives at 40 and goes, I saved too much money or retirement, you know, and says the same thing. But I think that a good sort of self-exploration exercise for Allie is to figure out what does rich mean to her? Like feeling rich, you know? So first of all, it sounds like she's doing a lot of the the great spending that is aligned with her own values. She's going on vacations. That's great. You've identified one thing, which is travel, which is really important to you. Is there something else uh, that maybe you don't have to figure this out right now, but keep your eyes out. You know, I think that traveling is a great way to learn about yourself and and to see the world and see all the potential. You might realize, Allie, that you want to take a year off of work and just maybe go and I don't know volunteer somewhere or write a book. A memoir that you've always wanted to write, and go to Paris and rent a little studio and eat croissants all day and write your memoir. I mean, this is the these are the options that your financial prowess is affording you, and I, I think it's a good problem to have. Priya and I are not going to be able to solve this one for you on the call, but I think that you got to just uh, keep asking yourself this question. Stay financially curious, and if you don't want to buy a house, certainly don't buy a house. Don't do the things that you don't want to do. As I have, I'm preparing a speech right now um, for a women's conference, and you know, all of the direction I got was, "You're going to be our opening speech for our keynote. Let's excite these women." I'm like, okay, that's, uh, that's not very helpful, but I will, I will sit down and think about what I want to say. And I want to say this too, Allie. This is what I thought about for this speech too, is that when you can own your financial power, which is what you are getting a very early taste in, most 25 year olds don't have what you have right now. So you're very fortunate and it's all thanks to your hard work. But when you step into that and you own it, you essentially what you're doing is you're unlocking your ability to design your own life on your own terms. That's what everybody wants, right? We want to be able to make choices, feel like we have choices, first of all, that we can choose freely. And that even if we screw up and choose wrong, that it's not going to necessarily be the end of us, that we can pick ourselves back up and go back at it and we can afford to do that. That's the, I mean, that's the dream, right? That's the dream for me. I, I'm not going to say that you know investing my, my investments in the last year in, in something, in some areas to have not been fruitful, but I felt like I, I wanted to afford those risks, and I could afford those risks. They, they, I learned a lot from them, and, and they could end up becoming, you know, beneficial to me down the road, but I wouldn't have been able to do this. 10 years ago because I didn't have the savings. I didn't have the experience. So find what it is that really um, sparks joy in you. And I think part of it is going to be an exploration. You're already on the road traveling. Great. Keep your eyes open. Keep a journal and keep listening to this podcast because I think all the guests you're going to hear from might give you some insights. Anything else to add there, Priya? No, I think that's great. All right. Own your power, Allie. Okay. Last but not least, we have our friend Mary Beth. She says, I was wondering if you could elaborate on your comment in your 1,000th episode, congratulations by the way, on making money using what you know. She says, I'm a college professor with a doctoral degree. I currently have two contracts to edit textbooks, but was also interested in using my knowledge for another side hustle. Do you have any specific suggestions? I'm 52 years old, married, and I have five sons. Whoa, you are surrounded by testosterone, Mary Beth. Woo, that's, that's amazing. Anyone who has more than one kid, two kids, I'm like, you're my hero. I mean, I don't want to be that person, but that's pretty heroic. Priya, does your course touch on
1: side hustles? Just a little bit, but it's so different for everyone based on where you live and what stage of your career you're at um, and what your skill sets are. Um,
0: but yeah, I mean, side hustles are all the rage these days, all the rage. And so what I was talking about on my 1000th episode was one of the things that I have really taken to heart and really applied in my own life based on the things that I've learned in the, on the show, guests have come on the most. I think impactful piece of advice I ever got was that there are two ways to make money in this world. There's, you make money from what you do, which is perhaps the title on your business card, your LinkedIn profile, the things that you do. But then there's also what you know, your knowledge, your skills. And these are the things that have carried you through your career perhaps, but also could be parallel to everything you're doing. And for me, I know that what I do is obviously like I create content. I'm a personal finance expert. I write books. I give speeches. I have this podcast. But I also know a lot of things about how to build brands, how to build businesses, how to write books, how to start a podcast, how to, you know, basically be a a, a solopreneur. And I find that these are a lot of times the questions that people ask me outside of the world of personal finance. So Mary Beth, a great place to start to figure out what you can, what you can leverage as far as your knowledge base is, are there things that people come to you to pick your brain about, to ask you to coffee to talk to you about? Or are there skills that you're not necessarily using on the job, but are completely uh, transferable and can make you some money on the side, and I, I think that that will help you to identify some additional side hustles. So I'm just thinking out loud here, but you you have you're editing textbooks. You know, there's a lot of copywriting jobs out there and editing jobs outside of the textbook world. You know, you could do this for websites. You could do this for entrepreneurs that are creating materials and courses online. You could, you know, I mean, Priya, just like creating your course was probably quite the assembly line of, of teammates, right? <laughs> Absolutely. The side hustle thing is hopefully something that will is not sort of a, a fad, because I know that it kind of became a thing post-recession, people needed to find more work and fast. And then the internet was also the timing was great because we had all these sites online that were allowing us to tap into these extra jobs virtually. So that's the other thing, Mary Beth, is that there's a lot of great sites out there. If you if your skills are in writing and copy editing and Literature and publishing, then you know sites like Upwork.com, Fiverr.com, Freelancer.com, and even MediaBistro.com. That's a site that is largely jobs in media, but sometimes copywriting jobs, writing jobs, editor jobs that could be freelance, temporary, part time. Figure out what you like to do, what you're good at, what you're not necessarily you know doing constantly on the day job but is definitely a knowledge base for you and then going on some of these sites and just seeing maybe what are the postings. Could you respond to some of them or create your own listing and say, hey, this is who I am. I'm I'm for hire. But I love it. You know, I guess you're not busy enough with your five sons and your full-time job. You want a side hustle too. It sounds like she's an overachiever like us. What do you think, Priya? I love it. I love it too. (laughs) I love that she shared her age too. Right on. 52. 52 is the new 32. Definitely. Just like 40 is the new 25, right? I turned 40 40 recently. Feeling good. I don't feel any different than I did when I was – well, a little different (laughs) than when I was 25. (laughs) Just a tad, but going strong. Knock on wood. All right, Priya, Malani, thank you so much. Tell us again where we can go to get all the knowledge from your new program, Money Mastered, and the So Money VIP code as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So stashwealth.com, you can take the Am I a Henry quiz. It'll let you know if you're ready for Money Mastered or the stash plan. And if you're ready for Money Mastered, we're offering So Money listeners, $100 off uh, for the next few months. I believe the code's going to be live, So Money VIP. And don't forget, there's also a special mini crash course called Couples and Money um, that's more about the psychological aspects of of, of combining finances and money in a relationship. Um, So that's there too.
0: Priya, thank you so much so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in and I hope your weekend is so money.